welcome to welcome to this lesson on future future in the past. This is Lane Santa Cruz, your Ward 1 Council member with your co-host, Liz Soltero, and you are listening to No Tucson. We started this podcast in response to our fight against COVID-19 and as another means to share information and resources. So this week we're focusing on Carlos Adrian Ingram Lopez, who was killed by police officers. Adrian, as he's called by his family and his friends, was a 27-year-old father, son, partner, and member of this community. He lost his life in, you know, one of the most vulnerable and traumatic ways during a moment when he needed uh, medical support. For those who haven't been following, his grandma had called 911 because her grandson was acting erratically. She believed he was on something or that he was drunk, so she called for help, and that help never came because when police showed up, they they treated him as a threat, as a criminal, and went on to put him face down for over 12 minutes till he took his last breath. So we wanted to take some time today to uplift who he was, you know, unpacked and share reflections about Adrian along with you, Lane, and, and our guest, amiga, Vanessa Gallego. Comadre Vanessa Gallego is a business owner in the South Side. She owns Recycle, a scrap metal recycling plant, and is also one of our co-founders of FUGA, which stands for Familias Unidas Ganando Accesibilidad, Families United Gaining Accessibility, and she leads a bicicleteada on the last Friday of every month. So thank you so much for joining us today, Vanessa. Uh, just this, this week, you know, we're, we're now getting more information about the killing of Vanessa Guyen and Brianna Taylor. So I just wanted to name them and, and honor them. But we're also still grieving the death of Carlos Adrián Ingram López. Um, so I wanted to talk to you, Vanessa. You and I um, and our families um, have dealt with substance use. And um, what was really painful for me to see in the rhetoric on social media about how like this happened because of his poor choices and really demonizing, you know, his character. And so, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, what was, what was it like for you um, to see all of this unfold? Uh, thank you for having me. really appreciate that I'm able to lend a voice. And most definitely, I was triggered by it for numerous reasons, but mostly because, you know, my family has been through that. Um, Adrián suffered from a disease, a disease that is really affecting our communities, uh, widespread. It was hard to hear because here's one more person, right, that is being affected, one more familia being affected by this but then to hear and you know see people post their opinions about someone because they have a substance abuse issue was equally hard. Uh, my sister uh, Marlene Gallego passed away in 2012 from an opioid overdose, and that's something that as familias that go through that, you know, 
One, we're either in shame, we live in silence because we have this idea that we have to protect our family image. And then second, you know, we live in silence. We don't talk to others about what we've gone through, uh, what we go through afterwards, you know, especially when you have a death in the family. So this was very triggersome. And, and I can say that was for me and for my parents seeing this video it was traumatic. Vanessa, I know that, you know, you and I went to college together and I know that part of what was challenging for me too, to see people that like we grew up with go through drug use or mental health issues that fast forward to today could still pass judgment on Adrian's life as if he had that coming, you know, he should have behaved better. It's devastating because for me, it's just like, it, you know, dehumanizes that person's experience. And you and I talk a lot about how we focus so much on the addiction piece or the drug use or substance use piece and not on the pain. Like, what, what is the pain, you know, that people are going through that they need to self-medicate? Because just like you, last week brought everything up with my brother, you know, so, so my brother in April 11th of 2016 died of an accidental fentanyl overdose. And, you know... It, it, it like it happens and and like you know you know that there there's an ongoing issue but like you said we live in fear there's so much stigma around it that we rather like ignore it or pretend that it's not there and so when he died you know people just didn't understand what happened and then our families go to try to hide it and i know that we're not personally responsible for somebody's addiction, but we are part of their environment. And this quote about like just the way that it takes a village, you know, to raise a child, it also takes a village to fail them. And that was what kept coming up for me last week. So I, I'm wondering, how do you, you know, how do you make meaning of this for, for your family? And what would you like others to know? I'm glad that you brought up that, you know, we, we met in college um, and during college, you know, it's a time where alcohol and socializing is very much condoned and part of the college experience. I suffered through a very tough time of addiction and de dependence of alcohol. To me, college was a really traumatic time in my life. As a person who has suffered from depression pretty much since I was a teen, it actually took me to live through a suicide attempt to really find the care that I needed. And that's when I realized I, I was suffering from depression. So just to give a little insight, right, is that when you're dealing with mental health, which my family has long battled, I, I coped a lot with alcohol. That was my coping mechanism. Um, so step back from that and just kind of incorporate my family. We've all dealt in some way, shape or form of coping with our mental health. And it's not easy to bring that that topic up in our familias a lot of the times. And similar to this and how you're saying, you know, it's we fail each time someone commits suicide. We fail as a community when someone has turned to a coping mechanism that ultimately leads to their demise. We failed that person. And I think we fail a lot of times when we're not talking about it, um, when we're not bringing this up to light, when we're not humanizing these experiences, like you said, been focusing like, oh, opiates, heroin, fentanyl, car fentanyl, we focus on things, but we need to get back and be like, okay, why is this person hurting? Why does this person have to cope? And a lot of times it's, we don't have the tools. 
we don't have the resources, we don't have access to those skills to not have to go that route. We have to go back to see why our familias are hurting, why, you know, as an individual, as a family dynamic, you know, as a community, you know, we're turning to this and we have these problems. Vanessa, thank you for sharing about your, you know, struggles in college because you were always such a source of strength for me. I looked up to you and you just have this like infectious laughter. You know, like there's so much beauty in who you are and how you navigate the world. I had no idea that you were going through so much of this. I had no clue. And I remember when you you put out that article you told your story in Teen Vogue and that was the first time that I was like, oh, like, dang, I can't, you know, I can't believe like one of my close friends was going through all of this and I had no idea. And how since you've opened up about it, a lot of us can also share, you know, you gave, you gave us permission to also share about like our own struggles in our families and you start to see that this pain is we're we're passing it you know it's like communities of color communities that have suffered at the hands of colonization and and even today you know the continuous waves of how capitalism strips us of our humanity you know as like our parents pass on their pain and their trauma that they experience to us and then we then pass it on to our children and i think even my my work as a parent has been how do i catch those things right like how do i have a different relationship with my child is it gonna reproduce you know these these conditions you know i in thinking about my my brother you know like there was so much there was so much beauty and so much pain you know in his life and you've always talked about his demons and his struggles but i also saw that he wanted to live that he wanted to live so bad for his children, for his pareja, for, for me, you know, for his family, that he did what he had to do to get by. So one of the books that I read after my brother passed was um, by Garber Mate, who's this like Canadian doctor who's been, you know, working with, with people who suffer from addiction, especially like opiate addictions. And one of the things that he said was that people jeopardize their lives for the sake of making that moment livable. They're just trying to to get through that moment of pain because they want to continue to live. Yeah, I I saw my sister um, who had all these ideas and wishes to get better and she had access to tools. She had access to tools that she can use But that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because the dynamic at home wasn't changing. So she can go out and do all this work and she would come home to the same environment in which the home was very triggersome to her. And I reveal all this because not all our families are perfect. And it's hard to hear that when your family has to do work. It was hard for my parents, right, to hear that there's some blame that has to be done here on on all of us. So, So yeah, my my sister had all these ideas had had wishes and things that she wanted to do but similarly she had to live through that moment to get there right she had to do what she had to do to go to work the next day to go to school and to cope what she was going through she had lost her pareja in afghanistan in 2009 and that was huge for her a huge loss and as much as she tried to go to meetings, to do therapy, there was, there was things that she couldn't cope with. 
Um, so yes, sometimes even the, the systems and the resource that we have aren't enough in the sense that are they, are they working? Are they working for this particular person, for this family? I, I often said that that system failed her too. A lot of times my sister was a guinea pig for medication to try to deal with one anxiety, two, she was sleep deprived, three, she would be so anxious sometimes and would be crawling in her skin that she'd be shaking. And this had nothing to do with just the drug addiction that she had. The, the same system that tried to help her failed her. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that scene of, of Carlos Adrián and it's hit a lot of us very, very hard. And, but one of the things that came up for me is just like, yeah, seeing my brother in him, you know, seeing them being in distress. And it's not just that they're in distress as a result of having used a substance. It's that they were already in distress yeah. to begin with. And they, they self-medicated, you know, to try to address the distress that they were in. And then it just created more, created more distress. And so it was hard to, to see somebody in like their most vulnerable state, you know, where they need the most help. I'm still get criminalized. Like, like just all the remnants of the war on drugs from like the seventies and the eighties and the nineties and who really got criminalized and who got stigmatized um, were communities of color that's one part of it. The other part is that then we have like, we are least likely able to access some of those resources like the mental health or alternative therapies, you know, to help folks who are in pain. But I, you know, I, I think a lot about going back to how we condemn, you know, the, the addict and really at the end of the day, that kind of behavior is like, permeate our entire society like our capitalist consumerism where we seek out immediate gratification is one of the staples of the disconnection that we have from ourselves from spirit you know from creation um that we're living so alienated that we're not thinking about humane ways to like support people as they seek out recovery or even make that possible so do you have even in your own journey to, you know, to bring healing, like what are some of the things that have worked for you? Right. So my journey of healing is never ending, you know. So a big part of healing is doing that work, which is therapy. I can't tell you how important therapy is for not only healing from things that we carry, the ancestral pain, that hurt, but also that current. It, it took me, you know, to attempt my suicide to realize I wasn't the first in my family to try. I had a great uncle who would actually tell people, I'm going to go lay on the railroad track today. And my family would actually joke about it because he would say it and then come back at the end of the day. And it became a joke in the family. And I'm just like, first, the horror, right, of hearing like, this is a joke. Um, so yes, therapy for me is so important. And for me particularly is, is stability. And, and, and I think it's everyone, right? But I know what I need. And I, and I say that very strongly, what I need to get better. I think therapy allows people to not only find out what they need, but the tools, right? And working together with someone that you trust to be able to do this hard work, because it's very hard to put that mirror on yourself 
and then on your family and then realize that some of the most toxic people that are constantly hurting you are your own family members. Uh, and how do you deal with that? Because as Latinx family, it, it's not so easy to X somebody out and to be like, you're no longer part of my family. So what does that look like? And how do you cope with that? So my journey is never ending. I took me a long time to find a therapist that I can trust to do this work with. Uh, I think the other thing is having a good support system. You know, people that you can turn to, whether it's family, whether it's a family you designate, and then being able to be honest with those folks and, and folks that can support you in different ways that are not just there to, to give you advice, but also just be there to listen and be supportive because these ways of us that we heal are not um, linear and they're not the same. So, you know, picking that family, that support group, getting therapy and loving yourself. That's the biggest and the hardest one that I continue to work on, which is knowing that I'm worth it. I'm worth it. So important, my name, because it's, you're like incapable of loving others, you know, if you don't know how to love yourself, you know, yes. for, and how to receive love. You know, for me personally, I will do therapy intensively for a couple of years and then I'll figure out other ways. Um, but there are definitely moments when I'm like, I can't do it by myself. I need somebody and like the people closest to me aren't like my punching bags or, you know, they're not my therapist. I can't like unload on them. I need to do that work for myself and on my own. But I know that one of the things that has um, really been helpful for me and it's like a, a spiritual practice, you know, that is like going to the sweat lodge, saying prayers with, with tobacco, calling on your ancestors, just putting, you know, putting that out there and knowing that like they sacrificed and they fought so hard, you know, for, for me to be here and for me to continue that fight for our families. And I feel like I, you know, kind of recenter myself. I feel replenished or I feel, you know, like I'm, I'm getting strength that's from the cosmos, but we got to continue finding joy, you know, in in our lives, even when everything feels really heavy. Most definitely. And I think a, a tool that I didn't mention was my bike. Um, yes. I think that, that me and my bike became really close because that was a way for me to, to be able to let go of a lot of the stress, but definitely, yes. Um, spirituality, balancing yourself, because I think a lot of healing happened on, on rides that we, that we do in the community. Yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up. I think that was why I fell in love with riding a bike and, and using the bike as a tool for, for healing, a tool for organizing, a tool for transformation, a tool for bettering our environment, because it just like, it, it like cleared my mind, you know, it just, you know, brought up all these like good feelings and made me feel, made me feel like a kid, you know, made me feel like another world was possible. So, yeah. Um, Vanessa, is there anything else you would like to share with, with our community that listens to us? Yeah. Um, I want to leave with the community remembering that addiction is a disease that Adrian, no matter what, he was going through, he was asking for the same help that we're all ask, asking for. And that, you know, we really look at this incident through different eyes, because like you said, you saw your brother and Carlos Adrian, and I saw my sister, I saw my family there. And uh, when you put yourself and your family in that 
place. Like you, you can't see any other way, but the injustice that was done. So I tell the community to stop the silence with drug addiction, open those conversations, because if you really want your family to get better, for you to get better, for this community to get better, it starts with bringing this to light and not being you know, ashamed anymore. Um, and I'm going to ask friends, you know, who, who might see this a different way to really try, try to see it through other eyes, because that's the only way we can hear, make change and, and really honor um, this man's life. Thank you for that, Vanessa. And we're, you know, continues being in support of the family and, and seeking justice for, for Carlos Adrian. Thank you so much for joining us, Vanessa. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the work that you do in our community. And I appreciate that you speaking out boldly always has given me permission to do the same. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we will be posting resources up on our website for families that find themselves in a similar situation and need support. Our website, www.tucboard1.com. Thanks for listening to No Dukes On. Visit our social media, keep listening on our website, or subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date and in the know. Until next time. Bye.